Welcome to the Smart Business Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Imoff Flores, and the Smart Business Podcast is the place for entrepreneurs to get an advanced mindset and skill set to build and grow a business that can scale in a big way. SMART is an acronym that stands for a scalable, mission-driven business that's automated with revenue streams all run by a team. And so if you would like to learn more about how to build a smart business or get coaching, consulting in this area or done for you services, go ahead and start by getting our free smart business formula guide at smartbusinessformula.com. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Smart Business Show. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Delilah House in the house. Yeah, she specializes in helping people find the gaps and provide the solutions in life, in business. Uh, she's a creator and founder of Mentoring on Purpose Bootcamp, certified life coach and leadership coach. And today's topic is going to be on balancing boundaries, where to draw the lines in life and business and everything in between. So Delilah, welcome to the show. Hey, Adam. Thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, you got it. Now, uh, balancing boundaries in life and business is something that has been talked about more and more. I would say more in like the last decade. You know, I feel like maybe before that, people didn't really talk about boundaries. Like people just worked hard. They worked for everything that they had. They made so many sacrifices. It didn't matter what really mattered to you. It was just about, you know, being able to work through the grind and hustle to get what you needed and that kind of thing. And so, you know, fast forward to today, boundaries has become a big conversation. Right. And, and so I kind of want to hear how like your story leading up to this space of how did you get into this topic of boundaries and then kind of like, how do you help your clients, you know, with the boundaries within business and in life? It's so funny because I was a person who struggled with boundaries. Um, and I think we all still kind of struggle on certain things because we naturally want to help people. Um, so I'm a server. Like I love helping people. I love serving other people. And I realized that I was a workaholic. And if something was bothering me, instead of like sitting down and sitting with it, then what I would do is I would find more work to do. And so I was basically just working through like any problem that I had, anything that was going on, I was working because I, I can then remove myself from the situation and just go work. And I don't have to think about that situation. Um, and so that's when I started to realize like, okay, you can't just work yourself away. Like if you go to work, your problem is still going to be there. So you have to figure out, you know, how to figure that out, how to balance your life with it, how to create a boundary where people are not necessarily overstepping the boundaries. And then when you're not overstepping your own boundaries, because I think a lot of times we look at it as people overstepping our boundaries, but we don't necessarily realize when we are overstepping our boundaries, we created something. And we said, this is what we're going to do. But then we go right back to it. And it's not necessarily the person's fault that that's happened. It's probably, you know, something we need to think about. What are we, why are we continuing to adjust those boundaries? What's making us do that? Mm. Yeah, I know this is a big problem with a lot of people who have like a servant heart. Like they're really big givers. They always want to give the shirt off their back. And, and so there's, there's a good quality in that, right? Because we need to be able to serve and focus on others. And a lot of times when you start thinking about yourself, there's sometimes guilt that can come with that, right? It's like, exactly. oh, maybe I'm being selfish. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm, um, I'm thinking about myself too much. I need to think about others. Maybe I'm living for myself and I'm not living to serve others. 
So it, it gets wrapped up in our identity. Sometimes it can get wrapped up in, uh, in emotions of guilt or shame or, you know, feeling like, you know, we're, we're out of alignment with who we're supposed to be when we make space for ourselves. And then there's the aspect of if I create these boundaries, then what will my life mean then? You know, what will be on the other side of that and the fear of the unknown, right? It's so much easier to just give, you know, give into letting your life go for everybody else. So, so how do you navigate that when you're working with the client and, and how do you begin to draw those boundaries? And a lot of times it really happens when you have a client and they're like, okay, I want my business to to succeed, but like, what are you doing outside of that? How are you allowing your employees to, you know, do whatever they want to do? Are you giving them instructions? Are you willing to delegate tasks to them? Because that's another one. We always think about like, hey, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, but sometimes we're not willing to delegate because we don't want to let go of the control. Um, So that also helps with your boundaries. Um, And I think one of those things is if a person is like continuously doing something to you, continuously coming in late for work, those type of things, those are boundaries we have to set. So it may be you have a friendship outside of work with them. So how have you, how has that friendship developed? What is going on in that friendship? And you having that conversation of saying, you know, hey, I know we are friends outside of work, but this is also my business. I need my business to succeed. And how are you going to help me succeed, help this business succeed? And I think that's one of the biggest boundaries people have to set is knowing that friendship and business, they can coexist, but you really have to work hard on those boundaries. Um, And if those boundaries aren't set from the beginning, you'll see your business suffer really fast. Yeah, yeah. So how do you do that? Because sometimes you know, you bring on friends to work with you or you bring on people that you love or you care about. Um, and sometimes the people that you work with become like family because you spend the most time with them and you go to birthday parties and you, you know, celebrate them in their life and they become more than just business. They become a friend. So how do you balance, how do you navigate that personal relationship with business? And I think as long as you start at the beginning and you set those boundaries kind of coming in, like, you know, that, Hey, if you are one way, you can't change. It's really important to be consistent when you're trying to create those boundaries. Because if a person doesn't see your consistency, then they don't know which day they can step over that boundary and which day they can't. Like a lot of times what happens is as an owner or as a manager, what you may do is you may have a bad day and you blow up on this person, but they did the same thing yesterday. And so if they did that yesterday, they think it's okay to do it today. And, but you are, you're not really feeling it for that day. And so today that boundary has been stepped over, but yesterday it wasn't. So you're confusing the person that you're setting those boundaries with. And I think that's when you have to really sit down and say, you know, have a conversation with that person, have a conversation with your team. Like, these are the things that I'm seeing that maybe we really need to work on. And if you see the boundaries kind of go back and forth, then you kind of have to, you know, continue to have that conversation with them. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, especially for small businesses, a lot of times you get to know your team really well, you know, and um, and I know firsthand from experience, too, I think, you know, it's it's um, there's also so this is another aspect, too, is when you're when you're developing people as well within your company, sometimes they go from where they are and they're ready to to blossom into the next season of their life. Right. And sometimes you could develop leaders to where they don't necessarily grow within your company, but they start to grow in their own thing because they learn from you. Right. They kind of grow past you. 
And so, uh, so, so with that, um, I think there's kind of two schools of thought you have school of thought is like, man, like, no, like I trained you, I put in all these resources into you. I helped you become this person. And now you're going to do something else. And then the other school of thought is like, that's a reflection that you're such a great leader that you've developed somebody that they can go off and do their own thing. So how do you, how do you develop people, but have a healthy perspective on their ability to advance beyond your vision or beyond your company? And then also like stay within your company, if that makes sense. Yes, it definitely makes sense. And I, I always tell people this is like, if I'm in a, if I'm in a leadership position, I am developing the next person below me to take my position because I want to grow. And you really have to think of that in your company. Like if your company is, if you're developing someone, if you want your, if you want to succeed yourself, then you should want to see everyone around you succeed whether it's with you or whether it's without you. Um, and I think having those continuous conversations with your team and with your company to say, what is the, what are you looking for next? Like what's next for you? Because a part of being a good leader is knowing that sometimes you have to let people go because they've outgrown you. Um, and also that you have to pull people up. Like, so you, as you grow, other people will grow and you never know how that person may grow and come back and benefit your company. So maybe they branch out and have their own company, but maybe that's something that your company needed that it didn't necessarily provide in the moment. And so thinking outside of the box and what the next person has is always going to be the best thing for you as a leader. Um, and I think being a leader means that you're you're really inspiring other people. And so like I'm definitely in that school of thought of the second one. Like if someone leaves me and they do better, then that means that I was a good leader, that I was able to teach them something, that I was able to help them grow. And maybe I helped them see something in themselves that they didn't see at first, right? And some people are natural born leaders, but everyone's not meant to be a CEO. Um, and, you know, in a capacity of a company, some people really like to work for other people and help other people and have those ideas. Um, and I think you will see those people continue to grow within companies, but people who are meant to be natural born leaders and CEOs, they're going to blossom into who they're supposed to be. Um, and I think maybe you had a conversation and you talked about, you know, sometimes you're just there to plant the seed. And so you also have to think about that. Like you may have planted a seed, but they have to go somewhere else to completely grow. And as long as you planted a good seed in them, then they're going to be successful when they grow. Mm, that's good. I love that. Yeah, that's a big, that's a big topic. I think this is where it comes into having the, having each role, you know, also mapped out. You got to make sure your stuff is systematized because if somebody leaves, you got to make sure that their role is ready to be replaced with a quickness. Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. So that's a big one. And, and you help people do that as well. Yes. And so um, for me, it's really about finding those gaps. And so whether the gaps may be your people or your systems, then we can find the gaps and create the things that you need to help your business grow. Um, so like you said, if you're a person that was doing all of your, you know, your calendar work, your calls and all of that, if they had it on a spreadsheet somewhere and you don't know if they're going to take that spreadsheet with them or if you can find it or if you can even understand it, because sometimes let's be honest, we may not understand the system that they had. So you can change those things into a true system and figure out what you need. I mean, I think that's a good example. Maybe the person that was doing all of your spreadsheets and things like that, maybe their company was something where you can they can come back in and you can actually use what they now provide in your company as a system because they figured out how good they were at it. Right. Exactly. That's so good. That's why I'm I'm like super um, 
fanatical about making sure all of our spreadsheets created in our company are owned by the company in our company drive, <laughs> because <laughs> I learned the hard way when I was younger, you know, uh, people build systems all the time in our company, but then, then we would lose access sometimes when they would go on or they didn't know where it was or they couldn't find it or you wouldn't hear a phone call or text response, you know. So it's just like, where did it go? You know, we built all that and, and it was gone. So, yeah, having to having to centralize all of your documents and streamlining all that is so important, you know. So um, so that's huge. So so that that's the system side of things. Now, you know, how do you how do you recommend, you know, as far as like getting like, like as far as culture, right? When we're talking about leading people and and having a good culture, how do you like, like, what are some patterns you see with like leaders that have healthy boundaries with their team and how they create good culture with their people? I think that when I see healthy, we like leaders who have a healthy boundary with their team, they really seek to understand their team and they're open to everyone on their team. And they may not be, you know, they're willing to say, hey, I don't understand this. I don't know this, but I may need your help in this area. Right. Um, and I think they what they also do is, is that they respect the decision of their team or their team members and they kind of respect who they are, um, because it can be one thing to say, oh, I understand diversity. I know we hear diversity a lot, um, but diversity without inclusion and then that equity part really doesn't, you know, it doesn't work well together. You can't just say you have a diverse team because even though you may have a diverse team, but how are you? creating the team together? How are you making sure they mesh together? And I think that's one of the biggest things when we see teams that are not you know, necessarily healthy, the, man, the leader or the manager, they don't necessarily understand the person um, or the other people on their team. And they're not taking the time out to truly understand who they are um, or truly see the differences. Um, and sometimes we, we want to like kind of point the finger at a team member when we, we probably should be looking at ourselves a little bit as well. Like, Okay, like what is it that I'm not seeing? If I'm the one that's not that always doesn't understand, maybe it's something else I need to learn instead of always putting it back on the team. Yeah, I mean that's true. That's a big one. You know, I think um, a lot of times it's always seems like it's the same. Per, like it's like that same. You you got to assess yourself as the leader, right? And, and that's important as well. So okay, cool. So I like I like that a lot. And and you said something really key about being open to understanding your team. And that, that creates a lot of culture. That's why one of the things that we have in our, in our value system is a company is we, we hire off of LQ, EQ, and IQ. So LQ is the love capacity. What's their capacity to love? Because we want our, like a rich servant heart in our community. But then we also have EQ, which is like emotional intelligence, right? Which is like being able to understand your people, right? And the people around you um, and communicate appropriately and, and being able to be there for people when they, when they're having a hard time and, and all of that, it all goes with emotional intelligence. And then IQ, the ability to solve a problem where they're not codependent, but they're independent and they can find answers without having to always, you know, be micromanaged and that type of thing. Uh, so I will say working remote has also been a challenge in itself because when I had an office before COVID, you know, I was able to see everyone's production, Right. And now that everyone is working all over the place, you wonder, like, are they sipping on like a, you know, a pina colada <laughs> somewhere by the pool, you know, because no one's really watching them. Their work that they did probably only took two to three hours, 
but there's like eight to 10 hours in a day. How much is there? How much is really getting done? You know? So have you had an, have you had a, um, any experiences with people working remote and how this shift has impacted the product, the performance of their team? I think one of the biggest things that when it comes to remote is like, yes, one is like, is that person really working? But also I think when we were in offices, you could see the emotion of someone. And so because we're not in an office with each other, you can't see that emotion, right? So like I can close the computer, I can have an emotion on a meeting and make you feel like I'm perfectly fine, but I can close my computer and then I have like all type of emotions going through my head. I'm thinking about so many other things. I'm replaying that meeting in my head. And I think that's one of the hardest parts is you don't really know what that person is thinking when they get off the meeting. Um, and as a manager, like I feel like you can, it can work two ways. One, you cannot ever think about it. Like, oh, I don't, I mean, I'm sure they don't have a problem because they didn't have a problem on the meeting. Or two, you can always think about it based off of a facial expression, based off of, you know, a certain body language they portray. You can start to think about like what is really going on with that person. And is it something we did or if it's something personal going on? And I think you have to pay attention to both of those um, because if you're never thinking about what's going on with them, then you may want to, you know, kind of check, do a pulse check yourself. Like you have yeah. to think about your, your, your team members. Right. But if you're always thinking about it, maybe it's a conversation that you need to open up with your team to really see where they're, where they're at and how they're feeling about things. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. I love that. Now I have a question for you, a little bit of a different topic, uh, but regarding people. So when you're leading people and you're dealing with like outcome-based like leadership where like, let's say they're on a salary and you're like, okay, this is the outcome we want you to hit. And you just let them work at that outcome. Or, or are you more on the lines of like more on like hourly performance? Like you want them to be focused for eight hours, you know, what they're being paid for to work from that eight to five nonstop. Does that make sense? Or that nine to five? So, so what do you, what are your philosophy on, on leading people? Because I feel like this new generation coming up is really more like outcome-based. They're like, well, look at the value that I brought. It doesn't matter if I got it done in eight hours, if I got it in three hours. What's your take on that? I think if we really go back to that beginning topic we talked about, it's like we didn't focus on that decades ago of like the balance and the work and things like that. Um, It leads us into saying it's more based on the outcome versus the hourly, because I can have someone that works eight hours for me and they produce absolutely nothing. And I can give someone a project and then they like supersede the project, start thinking about another project and they continue to work. And so for me, it's more outcome based because I've seen more people produce things on an outcome based situation versus an hourly. Um, A lot of times when people are hourly, they're sitting there thinking about, okay, it's it's 4.55, I get the clock out in five minutes, or I can go ahead and clock out early. But when it's outcome-based, they feel a lot more freedom. So because they feel that freedom, they, they feel the freedom to spend time with family members, to take a break and walk outside and just breathe um, and just have that fresh air to kind of rejuvenate themselves. They feel the freedom to do those things versus that hourly. So when someone is hourly, they don't feel like they have anything to do but be centered at the computer or doing whatever they're doing. 
and they don't take the opportunity to breathe. They don't take the opportunity to sit in whatever they have going on. And they don't take the opportunity to really embrace who they are and experience life. And so we have that more work, 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 work mentality versus let me get these projects done. Let me complete these like assignments and I can breathe for a second. And so I'm definitely more on the outcome base. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. It's good to hear. And yeah, I think it's, it's challenging too, because on the performance side, you know, being remote as well, sometimes the environments people are in, they got kids, they have all these distractions and they're hitting outcomes, but the time it's taking them to hit outcomes is like way too long, (laughs) you know? And so I feel like there's those deadlines have to be set and there has to be good leadership. And I was having a conversation, um, with someone the other day. And it was just a crazy thing because like, you know, as, as my business has grown, right. I've gotten stretched thin because I not only run a mastermind training company, I also run an agency. Right. And so we have a staff of about 30. So what happened is that, you know, I was feeling guilt because I couldn't spend a lot of time with division leaders. Like I just, or, or just people in general in my team, because I also had to spend, you know, make sure I'm there for my family, get off at a certain time and meet with clients and all these things. So, um, so she told me, she said, Adam, the the problem that you have, she goes, is that you're not a good leader. And I was like, what are you, I was like, what, what are you talking about? Like, we have a great team and a great culture. She's like, no, that's not what I'm saying. She's like, you don't have the time to lead. So she, she said, you need to make sure that you're finding people that are independent and that you're letting them know that you are not going to be there for them, that they need to be independent. And this is the outcome you expect them to hit and that they need to bring solutions to you. It's not going to be the other way around. And so that completely shifted our culture because I was always apologetic on my calls. Like, Hey, I'm so sorry. I haven't had a chance to connect with you. It's been a week or two weeks, you know, and I was always coming from like a place of behind, you know, Mm -hmm. and now I'm like, Hey, how are you doing? What you got for me? You know? And so it it just, those conversations shift culture as well. And knowing who, what your availability and capacity is, as a leader um, and, and what your expectations are goes back to what you said about drawing those boundaries early on in what you expect. So. Absolutely. And you, uh, as you know, you're the top leader. And so your leaders under you, like they're expressing that to those things. One thing I always say is like, if, if I have a manager, I shouldn't need to see their manager often. Like if their manager pops on and says, Oh, I haven't seen you in a while. I'm like, Oh, okay. That's cool. Because I, because what I'm doing, I know that I'm bringing the solutions to the manager that I have and I'm benefiting the company. So if I'm depending on that person to always like reach out to me or, or sit with me, then I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing as, as a leader or as a team member of a team. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Well, this has been a fun conversation, Delilah, on boundaries and, uh, you know, who listening would be your ideal client right now if, you know, you were wanting someone to reach out to you for the work you're doing? So, I mean, I go anywhere from small business to big business. So I've worked in the corporate world for over 15 years and I have a heart for small businesses who are trying to scale their business. Um, so any business that's looking for leadership development training, any type of finding your gaps and providing those solutions, things like that, I can always help you with it. Um, so if you're business minded and you need some help or you feel like you need some help, 
or you listened to this and thought, maybe I'm not the best leader, then you can always reach out to me. Awesome. Delilah, thanks so much for being with us. To everyone who's listening today who liked this conversation, go ahead and subscribe to this episode if you haven't already. Share it. Leave a six-star review. I think there's only five stars, but leave an extra star. And (laughs) go visit Delilah at DelilahShante.com. We're going to go ahead and put her website here in the description. Delilah, thanks again so much for being with us. It was a pleasure having you on with with our audience today. Thanks so much, Adam. I enjoyed. All right. See you later, everybody.